Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champ, nine-year pro kicking coach, rep in the South, Coach Brian Jackson. What's up, guys? Brian Jackson here with the 4th Down Experience podcast along with Chris Hughesby. And we're pretty excited because we have current NFL Steelers punter out of Pittsburgh, out of the Western Carolina Catamounts. Welcome to the show, Ian Berryman. How you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, what's up, Ian? Pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the 4th Down Experience podcast. Thrilled to have you on. We've heard that, that you enjoy listening to our podcast, so double thrilled, so thank you. So, you're a rookie right now with the Steelers, correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Nice. So, we're at a point now where you uh, went through rookie camp and OTA. So, why don't you tell tell the listeners about your journey so far? Because you're first out of college, now you are you went through rookie camp and then OTAs. What, what's it like and what are you learning so far? Uh, so, basically, for I guess what people don't know, we start with rookie minicamp uh, first. And that started on May 9th. So, I've been in Pittsburgh for about a month now. Um, and so we do that where they bring in all the tryout guys and things like that. I think we had about 60 guys in here, um, including guys that got signed to contracts and then a couple other tryouts, like a bunch of tryout guys, actually. Um, so once rookie minicamp is over and that's kind of the acclimation period, I would say, um, we kind of phased into OTAs or yeah, phased into OTAs. Um, and we, that's when like all the vets and stuff come in and, um, we started getting used to them, get acclimated and get to know them, um, especially with the specialists, getting the timing down with the long snapper that we have here and um, everything like that. And so that, that goes on until, I think, Thursday this week. And then we have mandatory minicamp next week, which goes for three days. Um, and then we're released until, I would think about, until late July, until about July 24th. Um, but it's been great so far. I really enjoyed it. Um, getting to know the coordinator and getting to know all the other kickers and punters that are here. Um, it's really been, you know, it's a dream come true. You know, I've been thinking about and wanting to play in the NFL for uh, my whole life. And uh, ever since I started playing football, and even before I started playing football, I wanted to play in the NFL. I just didn't know what position I was going to be and how I was going to do it. But, you know, I, I would say I'm kind of on the doorstep of it right now. And we'll kind of see what happens over you know, the next couple, I guess, next month and a half, two months, and uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's been really fun following your journey, especially on Instagram. I mean, I've, I've been following you for a while, and it's, you know how Instagram and Facebook work, where certain profiles just start popping up, you know, and I just remember always seeing your stories pop up, and I would always watch them, because it was so cool, because you would literally directional right, and they would just be four eight to five four ball, like just crushed bombs to the right. You do two or three, and then you do two or three to the left. And, um, I was it was always just a fun to watch. I would always keep watching them. Uh, maybe talk about your practice routine and, and why directional punting is so important. Um. So for me, and you know, it's it's I'm glad to hear that you know people watch those, and you know, people can learn from them and things like that. I think that. You know, directional punting is where the game is going because returns are so good now. 
um, especially at the college and NFL level. Everybody is a world class athlete um, who's returning the ball. Um, so you got to get the guys, you got to get them moving, and it also cuts the field for the coverage unit. So basically, when I was in college at Western Carolina, um, we had a system where we would where we would have a grading system. So outside the numbers would be like an A ball. And then numbers to hash would be a B ball. And then in the hashes is an F. So whenever we were doing like our, our grading scale, anything that was down the middle wasn't worth anything. Um, and so that was going right and then going left was the same thing. Um, so I really, when I got to college, that's when I started learning how to directional punt. And I, took, I take a lot of pride where I feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I can place the ball wherever the coordinator wants me to place it. Um, and for me, I think directional punting, like I said, is going to be is super important um, going forward just because of how good the returns are. Yeah. Well, what's cool to hear that as well is, is as you probably know, obviously, as a, as a punter, very easy to just kick down the middle the whole time. You know, the farthest distance you can kick it is straight versus directional. And so... Um, I think a lot of guys kind of shy away from directional because it, in a way, hurts their average slightly, you know, but um, you become more valuable when you can pin that, that punt returner to the sidelines. So that's pretty sweet that you essentially grew an, a liking towards doing that and, and you got better at it. And and actually that grading system is pretty genius. I, I like it where, you know, you're basically, uh, uh, you're basically awarded you know, better points or a grade, you know, if you, if you pin them to the sidelines, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, no, that was, uh, one of the things that our college coordinator was adamant about. He's, we're going to find a directional punter and whoever does it's going to be the guy. Um, so basically I heard that going into right after my redshirt year in 2014, when I just, I had to sit out a year. Um, and once I figured out we were directional punting, I basically just spent an entire year Literally nothing but directional punting and just kind of ironing out all the issues and kinks and just kind of figuring it out on the fly um, and kind of figuring out different different ways to become more consistent at it. Because realistically, if you have a good snapper, um, it's just like hitting a straight punt. You just got to find your line and stick to it. Because a lot of guys will use the hash to start kicking the ball straight. Um, or they'll use like the goalpost and they'll just try to kick through the goalpost. But if you can find a line in the stadium, like a flagpole that's off in the corner, or the scoreboard that's on the, that's in a corner, or something like that, and you can just angle your feet towards that, all you got to do is just catch and get your shoulders square with your body, and then it just turns into a straight punt. That's kind of how I've always seen it. Um, right. So I have a question about me with your with your uh, three step. Have you, what have the coaches said to you? Have they been cool with you doing the three-step there? <coughs> yeah, they have. Um, they've kind of let me, you know, do whatever. As long as my hand-to-toe time is good and I'm not pushing the the, uh, the launch point or the block spot closer to, to the guys there, <coughs> they're pretty fine with it. Um, you know, they I'm working on shortening my steps. To get the shorter, the better, and it's the less they got to think about. Um but they have no problem with it, and That's I feel, great. you know, you know, it's a good, it's a good place to be, um, where I'm not in a place where they're trying to change me completely. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, one thing that I think was interesting here. I know we kind of are bouncing to your your college career a little bit. 
I found your career statistics here. You averaged 43.8 yards a punt over 206 punts. That's pretty incredible. And basically about half your punts were inside the 20. What did you do to work on your hang time and, and inside the 20s? I know it's kind of a two-part question there, but what, how did you get such a good average? Like what, what do you think were the keys that, for your success? Uh, I would say for me, taking advantage of the yardage that's in front of you. Because um, I think it was something like I had, I did all my statistics, and I think I had something like 40, it was like a high 40% inside the 20. Um, but it was still, I had to take advantage of probably the other 106 punts of open field that we had. Because um, it was, uh, you know, I think my first three years I had something like, and I'll do the math in my head, something like 40-something of those punts traveled. Or more, I had 55 punts that were over 50 plus in my career. Um, and so it's just taking advantage of what the field gives you and not being super aggressive uh, when you get into the end situation. Because for me, a ball in the 10 is better than a ball in the 20, in my opinion, when, you're come, when it comes to pin punting. Um, and I was aggressive at times, and I had a really good coverage unit in college. And it was one of those things where they could get down there and cover the ball, and they really helped me out a lot um, when it came to, you know, the pinpointing and all of that. And for me, with hang times, I do what I call um, flip punts, or I know they call them Aussies. There's a hundred million different names for it, um, but I, I call them flip punts. And so basically, I just work on, you know, holding on to it as long as I can and swinging more up than out, um, and that gets the better hangs. Um, and a lot of times with those, those returns are just going to go camp under it. So I got a little creative my senior year. I was hitting these misdirection punts where I would walk to my right and drop it nose down and then cut it straight across the, back, across the field and make the returner have to run back and forth. Um, so he wasn't just getting an easy fair catch out of it. So maybe we could possibly force them off and, and try to get a turnover inside their own 20. But um, for me, I think, you know, getting the returners moving is kind of one of the things that I like to take pride in and not making it easy for them. Yeah, I mean, wonderful information here, especially for all the listeners. Just this is great info. Uh, talk about your drop table, your drop. Uh, you know, you don't seem like you're a six three six four guy, which is nothing wrong with that. You're with the NFL team right now. Um, talk about your drop table, because I know taller guys, they talk about their drop table differently. Shorter guys, they talk about it differently. I'd love to hear your opinion on what you do to have an efficient drop. So, and this goes all the way back, I think, into from, I think, to my senior year of college, because I used to be a solely uh, drop and leg speed guy. I had no flexibility whatsoever, so my drop and my leg speed had to be consistent. Um, so it was drilling that drop table for me, which I've got, I mess with it a lot just because I like to see what, what different balls I can hit. Um, but for me, I think consistently I'm trying to hit, I'm trying to drop a ball about belly button level for me. Um, belly button level to a little bit higher and hold on to it longer. Um, so I'm basically kicking it out of my hands because I've got longer arms so I can take advantage of that. Um, and kind of use that just extending my arm barely so just get the ball out there and I can basically just drop it onto my foot and like just kick it out of my hand is what I'm shooting for. Um, 
which for me, like I said, that drop table to answer your question is probably around my belly button level. Oh, that's pretty sweet. What did, uh, you know, you seem ahead of the curve typically for punters, especially as like a freshman or redshirt freshman in terms of what your abilities were like. Were you, I mean, back in even the high, the high school days, were you, were you pretty polished as a punter then, or when did it really start clicking for you? So I'll just, I guess I can just tell my whole recruiting story because it's a little, it's, it's interesting. So I, I actually didn't start or focus on punting until midway through my senior year of high school. Um, I was playing other positions. I played quarterback, played receiver, defensive back. I actually returned a few kickoffs and a couple of punts in high school. Um, and I always wanted to play quarterback in college, and um, I was never the tallest guy. Um, you know, I was six foot tall. I've been six foot tall since I was eighth grade. I never really grew past that. Um, and so I, you know, I had a couple. I had some interest in playing quarterback, and some colleges were interested in me playing quarterback. And then um, I got I transferred high schools, and then the co the special teams coordinator there was like, "Hey, why don't you go and try out this, this camp?" So I went to the camp, did really well, um, and I got my name out there. And I said, well, I should probably try to start focusing on this because I think I could possibly get there and get to the college level and try to play college football. And, you know, I think that's going to be a better way for me to play Division One football than playing quarterback because um, I didn't really have any offers at all to play quarterback at the Division One level. Um, so basically I went off to – Worked with a couple of coaches, and um, he was he was big on the push on big on drops. Um, he said, you know, you get a consistent drop, it'll save a lot of things, and you don't have flexibility. So we're going to focus on your drop until you get your flexibility right. So really, I would I think I would go out to the high school that I was near, and I would go do I think a mile or two of drops, just walking around the track because the ball would bounce easier back up to me. Um, so I would go, and I would spend probably about two or three hours working on basically just drops, straight drops for I don't even know how long. And so I would work on that, and i get, you know, i just try to get as many reps as I can because I felt like I was behind the curve with everybody because I was coming into the game late. Um, and so with me, I just had to, you know, kind of find a place find a landing spot. So I knew once I could figure it out, I could go win a job. Um, so kind of to shorten the story a little bit, I had a preferred walk-on to University of South Florida, um, which fell through because of my ACT scores. Uh, I was never a great test taker, and I had to get in as a normal student before I could get in as a football player. And USF has really high standards um, on testing. So I just couldn't get in there, um, but their special teams coordinator gave a call to Western Carolina University and got me in there with their head coach. Um, and so it was really just kind of drill it until it, you know, until it stuck. Just kind of roll the punches as you as you will, um, and kind of figure out figure out the whole punting thing on the fly. Um, and I've been very blessed to, you know, have figured it out. And I, I wouldn't say that I'm perfect at all. There's still a bunch of things to work on. Um, but I think for me, the, the coach that I had in um, high school, who I still work with today, um, 
really drilled that into me that jobs were the most important thing. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. All right, so you redshirt your freshman year. You have four successful seasons. When, you know, where you went to school is not necessarily a, a Power 5 type school. When did you start thinking or people start telling you that maybe you have a chance to pursue the NFL? Or was that just more personal drive that you had? Um, so I kind of knew after my sophomore year, I don't really want to glow, but I set the school record for punting average in a season after my retro sophomore year um, in 2016. And so I kind of knew then I had a couple of scouts going in my junior year kind of say, like, hey, you're on our radar. Um, and I thought, like, okay, I kind of know that I'll have a shot. I just got to stay consistent. Um I just got to keep doing what I'm doing and kind of block out all of the noise. And for me, it was just, you know, taking a day at a time and don't get too far ahead of myself. Um, because if I start thinking in the future, I'm not really focused on the present. And that's what I kind of knew. I would say that, like, I had a shot. I kind of knew that I was going to hopefully get an opportunity after my retro sophomore year. Um, and then heading into my Richard junior year, we had um, a running back, the Trent Newsome, who played for the Chargers now, and Keon Cross, who plays for the New England Patriots now. Um, they were both there, and a lot of scouts were coming, and a lot of scouts were talking to me while they were at practice, just casual conversation. I was getting contacts and stuff, and those were guys that I would see my senior year um, and talk to them about the same thing. So, um you know, it's, it was overall positive throughout my entire college career with all the scouts, and um, you know, they they were all very um, supportive of me, and so that they would always try to get my name out there to the to the higher ups. Nice. What's it been like uh, holding for Boswell and, and working with the, the NFL specialist there uh, with Pittsburgh? Yeah, you know, it's great. It's um, one of those things where we're working with. So we have another kicker in here from. Central Florida, and so I've been mainly with him, um, and then Jordan's been with Boz um, for the most part, but it's been great working with them. It's it's one of those things, you get kind of shell-shocked when you get there, and, uh, you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a dream come true, I would say, getting to work with all these guys and learning from them and just basically, you know, uh, getting taught what's the professional way um, to do things over um, over everything else. And it's really been great to learn from those guys. Yeah. So do you already know the schedule for preseason? And if so, depending on everything keeps going well, are you excited about certain games to play in for preseason? Uh, so, so we open with Tampa Bay, um, and then they, they come here. Um, so our first two games are – in in Pittsburgh, we play Tampa and then Kansas City, um, and then I think our third game is at Tennessee, and then our fourth game is at Carolina um, on the 29th of August. And I think I'm most excited for that game because a lot of Western Carolina alums are from Charlotte and the Charlotte area, um, and I'm just super excited to be able to get in front of them and play kind of in front of a home crowd, if you will. Um, I've got uh, people that I know um, and everything like that I think it's one of those things that it's you know like I said it's, uh, I try not to look too far into the future but I did like to see what the schedule was in the preseason and I'm extremely excited to see all the Pittsburgh fans that 
at um, training camp in Latrobe. And supposedly, from what people are saying, there's about there's going to be about five to ten thousand people at every practice. So that'll be extremely exciting to see. Nice. So I'm curious, you know, common feelings for a lot of guys who are in the same situation as you. How did you? How do you handle the nerves or the jitters? Because you know you're. Like you said, it's kind of surreal when you when you get into there. How do you handle any butterflies? What do you do for that? Uh, for me, I just kind of tell myself it's you know it's just it's just a game. As cliche as that sounds, um, you know it's it's just a game you've been doing this for the last. I think I've been punting for about seven years now, six seven years, um, and you know it's. It's, don't make it bigger than it is. You're kicking on the same hundred yard field as everybody else in the in the country or in the league is, and you belong. I've had to tell myself that many times that I do belong here um, and belong in, in this air in this type of um, atmosphere in the NFL. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that's kind of how I I kind of settle my nerves. I would say. Yeah. No, that's cool. All right. So, how about this? Comparing what you've learned at the NFL level versus college level, what are some things that you were like, you know, holy crap, didn't think about it like that? Like, what, what kind of, you know, how did you have to improve your game a little bit from that college level to the pro level? I would say probably the speed of everything. Um, you get used to that. And, you know, the snappers are that much better. Um, and uh, I would say that. You know, the, I thought I was a pretty good holder coming into coming into Pittsburgh, um, but I realized real quick that there's a better way to do it. Um, so, kind of learning the newer way and the more pro and professional style of holding um, has been interesting. You've, so, it's a lot more offhand oriented. So, you'd like your you hold the ball with the left hand for a righty, um, but guiding it and finding the laces, getting the laces out with your right hand instead of just getting on the ground and spinning it because the kicker doesn't want to kick a spinning ball because um, they like to be able to look at the ball as long as possible. Um, so I'd say probably that's probably more of the most um, kind of shocking thing that I had to learn how to do on the fly. Yeah. Well, Ian, what we always like to do here is, is ask our staple question here. Since you have not yet played at the NFL level, in a game, we'll tailor it to college. But I guess tell the audience, first of all, if they're not familiar with Western Carolina, what conference you're in, and then your your five favorite stadium experiences in your college career. Okay, so Western Carolina is in the Southern Conference, so we play teams like Wofford College, Furman, uh, Sanford, Mercer, VMI, um, Citadel. Uh, and so we play a lot of what you would call quote-unquote money games. Um, so I've got a pretty good list of five, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say the first one, which would be, I'll go from five all the way down to one. So number five was actually who we played, another Southern opponent, East Tennessee State. We played at Bristol Motor Speedway. I don't know if you remember um, when Tennessee and Virginia Tech played and Bristol Motor Speedway in 2016, I think is what it was. Nice. Well, we played there. They get they brought in like 120,000 people or something like that. It was like the most attended um, college game ever. Well, we played the week after that um, in Bristol Motor Speedway. Um, so, East Tennessee at Bristol Motor Speedway is number five. I would say number four is East Carolina. Um, I think that that was 
probably there's like 49,000 people at that game. Um, and then number three, which it gets tough for the number three, so I think they all kind of go at number one. Number three was Texas A&M. Um, we played there, I think there's 100 108,000 people at that game. Played Miles Garrett, Christian Kirk, all those guys um, that year. And then Tennessee, um, they had 110. And that was when I was playing to Alvin Kamara. He um, was NFL Rookie of the Year last year. Or a couple, I don't, know, I don't remember when it was, but he was the NFL Rookie of the Year. Playing guys like that. And then we played at Hawaii in Aloha Stadium. Um I would probably say that's number one, um, just because that's where the Pro Bowl used to get played, and some of the most the greatest players in NFL history have been to a uh, stadium and played there. Um, I'd say that's probably number one. That's pretty sweet. Um, and as you've probably heard with listening to the podcast, Texas A&M is probably close to the number one stadium that everybody talks about. Is is that stadium and actually LSU? So. That's cool. I've heard great things about uh, Tennessee as well. Yeah, Hawaii was pretty cool. That, yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. Well, awesome. awesome, Ian. Thank you so much, man, for taking taking your time. I know you have a busy schedule with, with the Steelers, and we all really appreciate you taking the time to, to give it a, give us some really cool insight and hear more about your story. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much, and hopefully at some point, if we're all in the same place at one time, we can get together and get a session in or something like that. Let's do it. That'd be great. Sure. Appreciate it, Ian. And uh, we'll be in touch. Good luck here with the rest of OTAs. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care, man. Later. Ian Berryman could be one of the next NFL punters out there, huh, Chris? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what I enjoyed about this, for one, was his dedication to the craft of punting. Uh, That was really fun to hear. But two, you know, he didn't necessarily, again, go to the biggest school out there. He was able to showcase the stuff as a four-year starter and, and, and still is getting an NFL opportunity. So I like that and just wanted to emphasize that to our listeners who might aspire to play in the NFL. Again, you don't have, if you're a kicker or punter, you don't necessarily have to go to the biggest school. So I, I, I like that. He's got a good head on his shoulders, too, so that was fun. For sure. I wish the best for him. He uh, sounds like a great guy. Uh, he, he hits the, really, the ball really well. You guys should follow him. It's Ian Berryman on Instagram. It's pretty easy to follow him. Yeah, and great listener, you know. <laughs> so appreciate that, Ian. So thanks for listening to the podcast as well. And, you know, hopefully you're able to get stuff from our podcast that help you, you know. So that's pretty sweet. All right. Thanks, everybody, for the Nation, for everything. We'll be back next week with another interview. Uh, again, we're, start, we're starting to get more recommendations of people to, to ask. So keep them coming in. Just hit us up on social media. And now that college camp season is around the corner, just remember, guys, to take care of your bodies in between those camps. If you need a, a quick tune-up, uh, Brian and I are available for virtual lessons daily. And if you're interested in learning more about that stuff, just, just message us, uh, either one of us, and we'll be happy to help you out and tune you up in between your college kicking camps. All right? Take care, guys. Have a good night. Thanks, guys. Welcome to the 4th Down Experience Podcast. We are an international podcast devoted to discussing special teams topics and interviewing some of the biggest special teams names in the NFL and beyond. Established in 2017, 
we have enjoyed giving back to the special teams community by discussing current events, offering free tips, and interviewing and sharing the journey of professional specialists and coaches in the football world. We offer a free podcast to you all done in our own time. It is our goal and hope that you become a better specialist because of or find enjoyment in our content. If our program is benefiting you and you're looking for a way to support what we do, please consider becoming a patron and support us. Thank you, and we hope to continue helping you and bring you something enjoyable to listen to. 4DE Nation. Thank you for listening to the 4th Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.